Welcome back to another session of Better Podcasting Chats with me. I'm SP. This is a streamed and recorded casual conversation with other hobby and passion podcasters to share their experience, joy, knowledge, and enthusiasm of podcasting. Better Podcasting is a project by Stephen John Drew and myself to help hobby and passion podcasters start their podcast and make their existing projects better. That's why we came up with the name Better Podcasting. And it's our hope that bringing on new voices from hobby and passion podcasting spaces with different viewpoints and experience will help others just as much as listening to Stephen and myself on the Better Podcasting main show. Thank you to Jay Davis from the Super Bracket Bros podcast for joining me in the previous chat. You can check out Jay and his co-host Eli at superbracketbros.buzzsprout.com slash share. Now, to demonstrate what I mean by a hobby or passion podcast, for the next few moments, I'm going to talk about my passion, space, just so you get an idea. In SpaceX, since I last recorded this show, they continue to prepare for the second Starship launch at their Boca Tica, Texas spaceport. They continue to repair and rebuild Starship's Stage Zero, or their launch infrastructure, from damage sustained by their April 20th, 2023 Starship launch. SpaceX also hired former NASA human spaceflight chief Kathy Luders, as reported by CNBC on Monday, May 15th. Kathy is already very familiar with SpaceX's operational human spaceflight hardware, with the Crewed Dragon capsule servicing the International Space Station, and she will bring even more experience to the SpaceX team as the Artemis program's human landing system is developed. And Kathy, if you are indeed listening to this, I'm available to move to Texas to work with you right now. On the NASA side of the house, the James Webb Space Telescope is hard at work making discoveries with water around a comet in the solar system's asteroid belt and some of the most ancient universal objects seen yet, including supermassive stars, ancient galaxies, an alien asteroid belt, and a Neptune-sized planet with a watery history. I look forward to all the amazing James Webb discoveries to come as the telescope has just scratched the surface of its observation itinerary. Now, hobby podcasters, all podcast from a passion like I just did because we emphasize the fun, the dedication, and the passion to podcasting. For the next hour, I'm chatting with a podcasting professional that has also found a home in the ranks of hobby podcasters. Ashley Hamer is a musician and journalist turned podcaster when she hosted the award-winning Curiosity Daily podcast with Cody Goff. When hosting Curiosity Daily, Ashley began her own highly produced hobby podcast called Taboo Science, was married, and is now a mother. Ashley continues her professional podcast work with Descript and is somebody I still owe a bottle of scotch to. Welcome to the chat, Ashley. Thank you. I forgot about that scotch. <laughs> yeah. How could you forget about scotch? It's the best liquor out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember scotch. I just didn't remember that I am owed a bottle and I am now going to hold you to that. All right. And the next time you're up here in Ohio or the next time I'm down there in where are you? North Carolina? Yep. Asheville. Yeah. I got the bottle in my dining room right now. I can take it to you. Really? I definitely would have drank it by now. I think it's been a couple of years. <laughs> it, it has. It was pre-pandemic for sure. <laughs> now, my first question for you is, have you continued playing the saxophone? And 
Also, why is the trumpet the best instrument to play? Oh, boy. Yes, I have continued playing the saxophone. I actually just played a gig Monday. Not this month. A week ago. Yeah. Playing jazz in Asheville. Kind of a big fish, small pond situation out here. Pretty nice. And yeah, doing that. Um, Trumpet is the second best instrument. I don't know. (laughs) I have a good best. (laughs) I have a good joke about trumpet players. You want to hear it? If it's clean, let's go for (laughs) it. Yeah, it's clean. How uh, how many fifth trumpet players does it take to change a light bulb? Fifth trumpet players. Okay, let's hear it. None. They can't get up that high. Mm. Uh, Now I have played with Maynard Ferguson, so. Have you really? Yes, I have. Going to oh, fly wow. now. And Birdland. Oh, nice. It's Very fun. cool. Yeah. So, yes, I can get up that high. Awesome. Do you still play? You know, I bought my nephew a trumpet for his band in grade school, and mm-hmm. he played it for like two years and then gave it up. So it's back in my care. And yes, I have played it. Nice. nice. It's a nice, way nicer than the trumpets that I had growing up. But yeah, it's a nice Stradivarius. Cool. So yeah, I played it, but I don't play it consistently because I spend too much time podcasting. Of course. And talking about podcasting, how did you start your podcasting journey? I started my podcasting journey with Cody Goff. I started out as a writer. I mean, started out as a musician. Then I, I moved to Chicago and music wasn't paying the bills. So Surprise, surprisingly, I, I'm shocked, but I got a job writing and then I got a job science writing, which is super cool. It was like a dream job at the time. And, and that was for curiosity.com. And eventually curiosity decided they wanted to start a podcast. They hired Cody to helm that. And I joined forces with him. We started a podcast together and yeah, the rest is history. For a very long period in the beginning, though, I was only, I only dealt with like the content and this and some script writing. And I, I didn't really, I didn't know anything about editing. I didn't know anything about even like microphone technique or anything. Honestly, every, all of that Cody has taught me. And so after dealing with the content for a few years during the pandemic, when you know, suddenly I had a ton of time on my hands. I decided that I wanted to learn the ropes of all of the other portions of podcast production. And it also helped because at that moment, Cody went on paternity leave and he's the one who edited our daily podcast. And so, you know, he left Natalia Reagan co-hosted with me during that time, but we both had to cover his duties. And that is when I learned about how to edit stuff together, how to how to adjust, do some mixing and things like that. And I eventually was like, yeah, I want to get better at this. I'm going to start my own podcast and do everything soup to nuts. And that is what Taboo Science is. So that was just curiosity on how to do it yourself. And there was no other inspiration there for Taboo Science. I mean, the other inspiration was that Curiosity Daily is a very family-friendly show, and I was getting a little bit itchy not being able to talk about like sex or like gross stuff or I don't know. One, you know, one of my first episodes was about cannibalism, and 
I we probably talked about cannibalism on Curiosity Daily, but you know, I wanted to, to do those delve into those dark topics. I'm so sorry about the cat. <laughs> uh, I wanted to delve into those dark dark topics, and I also knew that anytime we did run something that was slightly in that vein, it did really well. Like people were really interested in that kind of thing in like the darker side of science. And so that was kind of why I, I chose that area. Do you consider taboo science safe for work? Most of the time, like 95% of the time it's safe for work. Sometimes like, shoot, I like when I started it, I was like, oh, I'm going to be able to cuss finally. I don't think I really do very much at all. But some of the topics, I think you can probably guess when you look at the feed, like which topics are safe for work and which ones aren't. That's basically even the ones that you don't think personally are safe for work. I've listened to them and I'm like, yeah, this is I don't know if I would have kids in the room, but it's normal conversation. Yeah, for sure. It's about the science of it. I don't really get to. I mean, I would definitely think like necrophilia got weird. Like, I think that one I don't think I I would call safe for work. I mean, I have an episode on penises that is actually pretty tame. Like it's, <laughs> I don't want to say tame. It's very exciting. It's a very good episode, <laughs> but it's not like gross or anything. Like we don't get into like anything uh, like lascivious, lascivious, whatever. After all these years, what excites you still about podcasting? So I love telling people things. <laughs> I love explaining things to people. So that's a great part of it. But there is something about the format that, just really excites me because the written word is fine. Like I've done that a lot and that's a great way to get information across. But when you have words come out of an actual human being, suddenly it becomes a lot more like there's a stronger connection there. And so I love that connection. And then I love the way that you can sort of illustrate that information with music and other kinds of sounds. I just think it's a beautiful medium. It's a great, you know, it's not TV, which is just really intense. And, you know, they pull out all the stop to kind of dazzle you, but it's just this really nice understated medium that has a human connection and can be more vivid than a visual medium because it's just your ears and you have to imagine everything else. Talking about Vivid, you had a chance to talk to Alan Alda. I did. Oh, yeah. Vivid, clear and vivid. That is the name of his show. I did. Cody and I got to interview Alan Alda and Alan Alda interviewed us for our respective podcasts. That was very cool. He is smart as a whip, man. He's (laughs) uh, he was incredible to talk to. Very intimidating. I mean, he's not intimidating, but we were intimidated because he's just so great and famous. But yeah, he was great. I don't know. There's like not a lot to say about it. It's just sort of like he's a really cool guy. He's exactly as cool as you think he is. And yet you were the ones that were the podcast award winners and he was not at the time. Oh, well, I mean, yes. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you just got to you got to go out for all those awards, too. So maybe that's why he didn't. But yeah, we, we won a few awards for that show. It was great. Yeah. So you mentioned improving your podcasting skills over time. If you could point to one or two things, what do you think you would point to on how you've improved over time? Oh, so 
one of the first things, you know, as a musician, one of the first things I was really interested in doing is adding music to my podcast, like music beds. And you know how everyone, when they start out, they're like, I want a radio lab style podcast. And then very quickly they realize like, that is really hard to do. It's not as simple as just writing a script and putting some music under it. And I knew that when I started this, but still I was like, yeah, but I'm going to have a radio lab podcast. <laughs> and so my impression of that when I first started was just way too much music. I put music under everything. And I have learned over time that music in a podcast should be used like a spice in cooking. It should just be there as a transition moment or something to just give a little bit of extra to a particular quote, but you don't want to have it playing for two minutes straight under someone's monologue. Like that's not how it's most effective. So that's definitely one way I've pulled way back on the amount of music that I use in the podcast. And I think the other thing that I'm still working on, I feel like I just haven't really cracked this. And I feel it's weird too, because this should be my main skill is the storytelling narrative part of it. Like starting from a point that hooks you and taking people along a journey that the entire time they're like, I can't wait to get to the end. I want to know what happens. It's hard to do that when you're just explaining a general topic, when it's not like a character driven story. Like if I'm explaining about cannibalism and I have a guest who's talking, it's it's hard to actually like have a, a narrative go through that, which is why, you know, that's why Radio Lab makes the big bucks. Like they have a story and they use the guests to support that story. They don't just explain the whole topic, which I feel like that was probably a misstep when I started the podcast. It's just like, if you're just going to say cannibalism, you're not going to have a story. But I try to make it work as well as I can. <laughs> That's an interesting thought. So is a narrative style science-based podcast different from some other subject narrative style podcast? It doesn't have to be. And I've gone to a few like science communication workshops where they talk about this exact thing. Like any nonfiction story, no matter what it deals with, you should find a main character and a, a character doesn't have to be a person. It can be an idea. That was like the most important thing I learned from those things is that you can talk about a scientific discovery as a character and the character maybe, you know, nobody believes it for a while and it's kind of an underdog and then it has this big breakthrough and then, you know, it gets, it spreads and, and all of these things can be, you can treat it just like a character and have the same things happen to it as a person would. So to do it right, yeah, you wouldn't treat science any different than any other topic. And so the problem is that doing, if you just want to explain a general topic, you're going to have a harder time creating a narrative about that topic, but it can be done. It's just, you know, it's a challenge that I have put upon myself that I didn't realize I was at the time. You mentioned before using music for your beds and your soundscaping, basically. Do you have a go-to place to pick those up? I do. It's Epidemic Sound. I have a affiliate link in my show notes uh, for it. But yeah, Epidemic Sound, I, I really like. It has a lot of the 
sound that I'm looking for, you know, the kind of genre I like, you know, for taboo science, you use a lot of like funk. And so there's a lot of good, good stuff there. Yeah. And everything is, is available as stems. So you can adjust, you know, what it sounds like. And I know you've transitioned your audio gear throughout the years. What are you using now to record? This thing is a Vocaster 2. And this is just what I use on Zoom calls and interviews and things like that when I want to have a nice background. But I do have a closet over there that still has my... Oh, no. What's it called? It's the same microphone I've been using for years. And it is a, an Electro Voice. Electro Voice RA320? Mm-hmm. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. That's yep. the one I told Cody to buy yeah. both of you back in the day. Yep. It's a good one. It makes my voice sound great. So that's what I'm it. using right now. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. Electro Voice buddies. <laughs> now, if you could have told yourself one thing before you started podcasting, to make it easier on yourself, what would that have been? Oh, like I'm thinking about it because there are a lot of things, but. All right. Well, anything that comes to mind. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I really put a lot of pressure on myself to be, to make it exactly as I heard it in my head, which is not possible when you're first starting out. And that's kind of, that's the journey, right? Like that's the journey for any, any art form. You want to paint the thing you see, you want to, you want to play the song you hear and the technique is not there to do it. So I think I put a lot of pressure on myself and didn't feel that's what it is. It's, I put so much pressure on myself with those early episodes that when it came out, I felt uncomfortable about self-promotion because I was like, well, this isn't this isn't perfect. This isn't. And it's like, just tell people about your podcast. Like you made it. You should tell people about it. You should do promotion. And I think that is what I would say. I would, I would give myself a little pep talk and be like, there's nothing wrong with trying to promote this podcast. And that's my new plan right now is like, that's my new goal is learning about podcast marketing and getting comfortable with self-promotion and doing promo swaps and, and pitching myself to newsletters and things like that so that I'll have an actual audience that's listening to this thing. I could see coming from where you were when you were started to podcast. I mean, you're an avid social media user already, but you were podcasting with a social media guru. I mean, that's what Cody did before he did Curiosity Daily. So he had right. a thing or two in his hip pocket about it. So you didn't have to worry about it as much with Curiosity. So I could see growing into that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. I definitely, definitely coasted on, on Cody's ability to, to promote himself and, and us for sure. Give you a little secret. So did I. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so let's transition into the tools available today. And everybody's talking about AI, also known as artificial intelligence or, you know, Skynet, if you really want to go there. But <laughs> how do you use AI in your podcasting today? Yeah, so I I think a big misconception about AI right now that I'm seeing a lot of people talk about is that it can't make the whole thing. Like if it makes a podcast, I'm going to be able to tell that it made a podcast. It's not going to sound like a human. You still need the human element, right? 
But like, that's not really how most people are using AI right now. That's not the smart way to use it anyway. Like it is going to sound like a robot made it if you try to make a whole podcast with AI. In my opinion, the smart way to use it and the way that I use it is for inspiration, for like a spark of, you know, just something like give me suggestions for something to cover or give me suggestions on how to word this or whatever. And also just doing the grunt work that doesn't have as much creativity to it. So show notes, there are a ton of tools out there for AI tools for show notes that just make it so much faster. I mean, I still rewrite them, but it gives you a framework to work from. Like, oh yeah, I did cover these five or six things. So I will say that I covered those five or six things in my voice, but it can spit something out really fast. And then you're like, yeah, okay, let's get to work. Instead of you sitting there being like, hmm, how am I going to start this? So really the text generation tools like ChatGPT and those AI show notes tools are the ones that I use, use the most for sure. Do you pay for anything or did you just use the free available ones? So as a perk of my job. Okay, we'll get to there. <laughs> yeah. I'm having the ChatGPT Plus paid for through work. And then also I wrote an AI show note tool review page. So I, I reviewed like six different tools and a bunch of, and I, I started DMing like because all of these founders are out there on, on Twitter and they were like very hungry for feedback because, you know, everybody has a tool and they want to be the ones who are, who are, are number one. And so I, I was DMing a lot of people and being like, Hey, actually this thing you did doesn't work. Or it did this weird thing when I tried to use it. I'm just letting you know. And then I would let them know about the review article. And so a lot of people just gave me free minutes. So right now I'm not paying for any, I will have to eventually, <laughs> but I'm trying, I'm, I'm using several different tools, just kind of like here and there to, to kind of, I haven't decided which one I like best, but, but I am currently not paying for one of them. And these are all the text generating sort of tools. Those are the AI show notes tools. Yeah. Okay. So I do pay for chat GPT. I mean, work does. And then currently not paying for AI text generation tools, but they do cost money. Yeah. Okay. Any other AI tools that you currently use or is that it? As far as generative AI, that's it. As AI tools, you know, AI is all around us and we're constantly using it even when we don't realize it. But, you know, Descript, Descript is one that I, I use, AI-based editor. Let's talk a little bit about Descript because yeah. a lot of the people in my circles as hobby or passion podcasters, they have very limited budgets. So if they're going to pay for something, it's got to be really worth it. So what could you say that Descript, as an employee of Descript, basically, could offer hobby podcasters because you're also a hobby podcaster. So the thing that honestly, like I had just started using Descript when I got the job at Descript and it was kind of revolutionary. The reason I started using it was because I did an episode about disability and the guest very rightly said, I don't go on any shows unless there is a transcript. So you have to tell me that you have to promise me that you'll have a transcript so that it's it's accessible. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. But at the time I was like, God, transcripts are so much work. You know, you have to correct everything that the robot makes mistakes on. They're way better now, but it was a couple of years ago. And and I was like, you know what? I've heard about this thing to script. 
I know that it'll make a transcript that I edit as like in order to edit my podcast. So I can take out words and it takes it out of the audio. And maybe that would be a way to just save time. And so I tried it and I was like, this is really easy. Like, this is too easy. I actually kind of hate how much I like this. And then I actually didn't dive into using Descript regularly. Like I I went back to my regular DAW after that. But then now that I've started the new season of Taboo Science, I'm doing pretty much everything in Descript. I will export the final product into Audition to do like the polishing and stuff. Because I'll say like the ability to add effects and and adjust the the sound and everything is is limited. But I'm using it the way that many of the biggest podcast production houses currently use Descript, which is to plan out a narrative, to kind of put all of your interviews together, to write your script. It's just so much easier to do that when you can see the words versus seeing a waveform and putting and listening to the beginning and listening to the end. And you're like, okay, this is where this goes. And then this is where this goes. And oh, maybe you didn't get it all. And So you have to go back and it's just, it's so much simpler to be able to see the words that are happening. And then once you have that all laid out, sure, use whatever program you want to, to, you know, you can export the timeline to a whole bunch of different DAWs. And if you want to, you can, you can do as much tinkering as you want, but that's really where that's, so number one, that that's very helpful. Number two is if you record interviews on Riverside or Squadcast, you can edit them in Descript and you are editing the video as well. And then you immediately, you have a built-in shareable video or you can just take a highlight and turn that into a social video and add some captions, which is super easy to do. And, and then you can share that on social. So it's just super easy to do a bunch of different things that usually take multiple tools to do in Descript. So Descript does video editing. Yes. Does Descript do multi-track audio editing? Like yes. can can you see the timeline of what everybody's saying and then be able to layer those words or those tracks on each other? The way that it works is the the script track as they call it, the one where people are talking. What you see in the main view is those two waveforms laid on top of each other. But when you, you can right click and say edit sequence, that's what they call the actual timeline. And then it'll go into you seeing each individual track and you can adjust from there. If you want to put other things, if you want to layer extra things on top of it, then you treat them as music and sound effects. And those are things that you can put put in there too. I mean, now I'm getting really technical into like descript, but but yeah, yes. The short answer is yes. And what if there's a massive tonal shift between two words that you kind of edited out the crutch word in the middle and there's a tonal shift in between there? Mm. That is something I would probably export to another DAW for that. Although the one generative AI tool that Descript currently has, it's working on more, but it's called Overdub. And you can do a training, you could train an AI to use your voice, do text to speech. And that is one way that if it's you anyway, because you can't do it for anybody else's voice because ethics, 
you can put in a word like that. Like if you want to replace a word that sounds weird, you can do that. And that is one option. Okay. That's a concern I have using any editor that only looks at the words is you also have to vote with your ears. Yeah. And know if it actually, if the cut actually works or not. So you can do just as much with the timeline as you can in any, like as far as cutting, you can do just as much in the timeline of Descript as you can in the timeline of a DAW. So if, for example, my last, the last interview that I just edited, the guy had a lot of ums. And it was the kind of um, like we all know this kind of um, the um that leads into the, it bleeds into the next word. And so that's really hard to just delete the um, like the program doesn't know where the um stops and the, and the word begins, but you can go into the timeline in, in cases like that and, and adjust things and kind of move it over to make sure that you're actually starting in the right place. Okay. So you mentioned that you've used transcripts before. I assume that you are using transcripts on every episode right now? Yes. Every episode now has a transcript. How do you publish those? I just paste them into... So every episode has a blog post, and I just paste them at the bottom of the blog post underneath you know, my sources and my show notes and, and everything like that. So they wouldn't show up if I was looking at it on a podcatcher, but if I went to your website, they'd show up as the blog post. Actually. I take that back. So I do it that way, but I also use, I've started using a new podcast platform called Captivate. I mean, Mm -hmm. Captivate isn't new. It's new to me. And uh, they have the ability to add transcripts. So I don't know how those show up, but I assume that if you use the right kind of podcatcher, because I do add, add the transcripts to that also. I think... And I might be misplaced on that, that Captivate is using the Podcast 2.0 specs, which I think has a tag in there for transcripts. Dan and, and Mark Asquith would definitely be, they're the people that started Captivate. They still work for Captivate. They did sell Captivate off, but uh, mm. they still work there. So they would be the right people to answer that question. I'll have to ask Mark that. He's back podcasting now with his Podcast Accelerator, I think is his show that he does. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So there were some questions in our Discord server for you. Okay. My co-host on Legends of Shield Waffles actually had a few. So if you don't mind, I'll go through some of them at least. And the first one is, what kind of pushback have you seen with regards to AI versus the old school do-it-all-yourself approach? I mean, yeah, I've seen a lot of pushback. I think we all probably have that, you know, people are you know, number one is ethics. Like whose training data are you using? Like, is there consent to use this training data, especially in AI art? That's a big, big issue. And it's a reasonable objection. And I think it's great that companies like Adobe are using data sets that are all licensed. So that's a problem. There's also the issue of ChatGPT makes up a lot of things. It'll hallucinate. You really can't like that's one way that I, I don't use ChatGPT is to research. A lot of people do, and I I don't think it's a good idea because you don't know what's right. And even even though you can like check the facts later, like you could miss something. So, you know, there's the idea that maybe there's a future world where nobody knows what's real more than we already don't, right? It's gonna like yeah. well, welcome to 2023. <laughs> yeah. So that's scary. And then of course there's just the creative objection of i'm a human creator i want to put my own human element in this i don't want a robot 
you know, writing my poetry and, and my novels and, and everything like that. And in that case that, you know, I go back to my original of like, you don't have to, like, you can do the things you love. AI is there as a tool to make you faster, more creative, more inspired. It's another brain in the room that you can bounce things off of. So I'm not saying that there are no issues. Like there are absolutely issues, but also it's not going away. And it's a, I think it's a good idea for creators to at least know what they're dealing with and know how to use this stuff. He also asked, what have you not been able to give up doing despite the AI advances? Like what specifically do you want to hold control over? I love to write. I realized that when ChatGPT first came out and Descript is a very like, we're an AI company. And so our whole team was like, we need to try these things. We, you know, you should write a blog post using Jasper or whatever, which is works on ChatGPT. And, you know, I started doing it and it's like, yeah, it makes things faster, but I don't like it. I don't like writing whole things using the AI because I really enjoy the process of creating, not knowing what's going to come next and, and being able to write that and, and kind of tie everything together. I, I really like that process. So that's why I don't have it do first drafts for me or anything like that, because I want to do the first draft. Yeah, and there's that whole writer strike going on right now, which yeah. this is one of the issues. It's not the only, but it's one of the issues about that. Yeah. Yep. Waffles also asked, what AI advances make you worry for the future of podcasting? I don't know how many times, like someone should be drinking every time we mention Cody, but Cody tweeted the other day that a friend of his might be someone on the chat. I don't know. <laughs> you guys know him. A friend of his made a deep fake using Cody's podcasts and made him say a bunch of horrible stuff. Now, he didn't publicize it. He didn't like publish it because he was a friend and it was just a practical joke. But podcasters have hours and hours and hours of their voices out there for anyone to do that with. And that's a little scary. I'm a little scared about the ability to synthesize other people's voices. Like I'll say again, like Descript, you can't actually do that. You can only do that with your own voice. You have to record a consent statement in your own voice. An actual human listens to both and makes sure that you are the person whose training data you're using. But boy, there are a lot of tools out there that don't. There are a ton. <laughs> like there's no, you know, Descript is not stopping that other tools from being made. So yeah, that's the part that's really scary to me. It's kind of funny because the next thing he says is I've gotten some voice models that sound way better than what I've sent to me, or uh, he sent some to me that I, they didn't sound like me, but they sounded in my tone, but they mm -hmm. didn't sound like me. And he goes on to say, but that also means I can essentially make a podcast with another person without their knowledge or make them sound like they said something they never did. Where's the line right now? For example, I wouldn't have a problem using AI to recreate a moment lost to tech failure. And I think we can all agree that making Steven say Anthony's negative about maple syrup is not cool, but that gray area in the middle, there's a lot of room. So Steven's Canadian and, you know, maple syrup, it's a whole thing right now. <laughs> but where is that line? And would it be okay to recreate a moment that was lost to recording failure? Yeah, see, that's where I think I, I totally agree with all of this. I think that it's fine to recreate a moment lost to recording failure. I think 
that we are learning where that line is right now. And that's what's scary. Like we're all learning. We're all figuring this out. And unfortunately, there's probably going to be some bad stuff that happens in the process. And I'm not, you know, I don't know how we're going to solve this. And I don't know where the line is. I mean, for me, what I think is right and wrong, like my line, I think you can do as much as you want with your own voice. And maybe like possibly your guest's voice. If again, something is lost and you know that this is what they said. I mean, people in print do that all the time, right? Like you can put brackets or whatever into a quote when you know that this is actually what they meant. And I feel like that's okay to do in recordings too, if you have that technology. But having people say things that they never said and wouldn't say, that is definitely crossing a line for sure. One of the things that's big right now is you hear a lot of actors saying that they have given rights to their likeness so that they can be used in future works and that their families would be given the revenue for that. I think that's a little bit forward thinking of them, but also kind of very dangerous because exactly what you said, like, would Tom Hanks ever do a porno? No, no, he wouldn't. But with AI and enough money thrown at the family, they might say, sure, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think right now, I think everyone should be super careful about licensing their likenesses because we don't know what's possible. And what's possible right now is not going to be what's possible in even one year. But yeah, so that's, I would not do that personally. You also had another lighthearted question for you to get off the dark, doomy future here. And as he says, what's your favorite dinosaur? Oh, I just went on a podcast to talk about this. And the two dinosaurs I said, the paleontologist was like, neither of those are dinosaurs. <laughs> like, ah! uh, I think I said, my favorite dinosaur used to be Dimetrodon, but then I learned it's not a dinosaur. And then I said, Quiddle, Quiddle, Coatless. Qu- mm. You know what I mean? The giant bird, the giant, oh, yeah. it's, like it's larger than a giraffe and it has these giant, elbows that it walks on it's so weird looking also not a dinosaur so i'm over two okay well i mentioned that your favorite dinosaur was godzuki so i'm completely off base there i don't know what that is you don't know about godzilla godzuki no oh my goodness i'll have to send you some links afterwards all right (laughs) liberty dude's in the chat but before he was in the chat in our discord server he asked a question which i think we've covered but i'm going to ask it anyway How far off are we from asking AI to create a watching paint drying? That's Steven's favorite acronym. Watching paint drying podcast using a deep fake of Steven. I mean, Steven can do that now. No, anyone can do that now because there are those tools that you can just use someone else's voice. How good it's going to sound, like whether it's going to sound like a human, it's on the line. But no, you can right now, right now you can do that what i was thinking but wanted to go to the expert yeah (laughs) so let's transition out of the questions at least for now and let me ask you what is one of your favorite moments from your show and i guess it could be either show that you've done but when's the favorite moments and it doesn't have to be like the favorite moment but just when that pops to the forefront of your mind right now yeah I'm proud of the episode I did, and I I will talk about a moment, but like, I'm proud of the episode I did with 
a woman named Melanie Joy, who is a vegan animal rights activist. I learned about her through my sister, who is a vegan animal rights activist. I'm not vegan. I am an omnivore and I've, I have no, no real desire to become vegan. So that's always been a kind of a conflict between me and my sister. And I thought that eating animals was a perfect taboo topic to talk about. I didn't know who this person was. And she actually has like many, many millions of hits when you Google her name on, on Google. It's, it's like, she's very famous. And I got her on the show and she explained to me, you know, kind of her thought process about it. And she's written a bunch of books about this. And the moment I'm kind of proud of was, you know, I think a lot of us, when we hear facts that we don't agree with, that we don't want to believe, we sort of discount them. And we're like, well, that, that's probably not true. I'm going to look that up later. Like, at least I do, right? And so there was a moment in that podcast where she just listed out over and over and over, like things about factory farming and things about like what they do to baby animals and what they do to this and what they do to that. And like, it all sounded like rhetoric that a strident vegan would say on a street corner, right? And I looked up every single fact and every single fact was right. Like every single fact was absolutely true. And so I was like, you know what? I can't just jump in and be like, this is true too. This is true too. So I was like, you know what? I, I kind of came in and I was like, I know these things are kind of hard to believe. And I always fact check this podcast, but I just, to let you know that I, I really did fact check these and I'm going to put a bell sound effect after every single correct fact that she says. And so she just says this, this thing that's horrible about the meat industry and it's ding. And then she says something else that's ding. And I don't know. I thought that was a cool way to kind of try to get past people's defenses. You know, I still eat meat, but that was a really persuasive episode, I thought. Is that why you moved out of California? Because you were a meat eater and they didn't want you there? (laughs) I mean, maybe, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything about the podcasting infrastructure of the industry itself of podcasting that you'd like to see changed? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're all seeing the giant, you know, the Spotify's and the iHeart's and everyone like putting forward these, just doing silly things, putting forward lots of celebrity podcasts that only last for like maybe a season and putting all these podcasts behind paywalls and, and just doing things that are money grabs and not like a long-term investment. I think it would be great to have fewer like financial executives in the room when we're talking about which podcasts to green light, I think. Interesting. Interesting coming from you. Why? Wait, why? One would say you, you are a podcasting celebrity. Oh, no, I am not. <laughs> no, we're talking about like the Kardashians and things like that. Like, you know. They'll... Oh, you're way better than that. Oh, oh, well, thank you. As a matter of fact, I don't even know who they are. I continually, when I get in conversations, the Kardashians come up. I, I don't know how they are. So. I get invited to this 10, 15 minute explanation that I go away with uh, just brained up it because I don't care. That's totally fair. Yeah. 
right, we did have Liberty Dude in the chat room, and he had a few questions. First of all, he had a question: Can we assume Scotch doesn't <laughs> ship well? Uh, yeah, it, I think it's an excuse. It, well, it does, and if I would have an address, I would be able to ship it because I'm not just sending it to Asheville because it would be gone upon <laughs> arrival at the post office. But there's that, and then said was the vocaster an individual purchase or was it a combo buy with an interface see I, now i feel like a podcast celebrity because i got this for free yeah they were handing they were handing them out i mean not handing them out but like i heard several people on different podcasts being like focus right gave me a vocaster yay i think they just this is their new product and so they were giving them to people to try out so i got to use it but it's uh i have the interface yeah the the whole uh, the vocaster 2 that I have. Yeah, we interviewed a product rep from Focusrite a few years ago who wanted cool. to do a collaboration with us, but it was all, we don't monetize better podcasting, at least not yet. And we don't have any plans for it in the immediate future, but he was going down that path with us. And we're like, yeah, we, we're going to have to de politely decline. I mean, we both like Focusrite and their stuff, but we're like, yeah, we can't go there yet. Sure, and sure. Maybe we never will. But anyway, we did have those discussions with Focusrite ourselves as well. Nice. Yeah. He also says, not familiar with the capabilities of ChatGPT, which is interesting because I, I thought everybody did. Can it create the tools others have created for it is one of the dangers sparking general concerns. So it can't do anything you haven't told it to do. I think that's a big thing that a lot of people are afraid of is like the AI is going to get consciousness and go off on its own. It really can't do anything you haven't told it to do. And everything that you've seen, I mean, I'm almost, uh, not, you know, I'm 99% sure that everything that we've seen in the media about the weird things that it's done has been because the person made it do that. Like they were like playing around and then, oh gosh, ChatGPT just said something super creepy. Or usually it's, it's more like Bing and Bard that do that. I don't know. But yeah. As far as I know, it cannot do anything you didn't tell it to do in the first place. He also had a specific question on Descript. Is Descript video jump cut editing or are they punch in camera switch or other transition tools? There are, uh, yeah, you can do all of those things. Uh, you can do, obviously, jump cuts, but you can do punch ins, you can multi camera. Yeah, all that. All right. Yeah. Where do you get inspired for your topics for taboo science? I started out with like a really long list of topics. And then as I'm just going about my day, I will see a book or I'll see a Twitter like academic or something who studies something that I'm like, oh, that'd be really good. Like, actually, for example, I just listened to a friend's podcast who she works for Nerd Wallet and she just did her first podcast. And it's all about climate change because climate change actually has a big financial concern like home insurance things like that and um she had on a uh, a therapist who specializes is he specializes in climate anxiety i was like climate anxiety would be a really cool topic so just today i came up with something but cool yeah all over the place can't wait to listen to that one yeah yeah climate change is a big one uh so do you have any as we start winding down here do you have any advice tips or tricks that we haven't already talked about for hobby podcasters specifically? I think just the thing that I'm really into right now, like I think I mentioned this a little bit, but 
marketing. And I'm realizing that I'm reading a ton of Lauren Passell, who does podcast, the newsletter, Courtney Kosak, who does podcast bestie, who has also turned into that, that newsletter has turned into a podcast. And then Ariel Nissenblatt all write a ton about how to promote your podcast. And it's not, I think before I thought, oh, well, that costs a lot of money and you have to know the right people. And it doesn't and you don't. Like you can do it for free by just being a cool dude who tweets at people you like. Like that's kind of how how I'm realizing podcast promotion can be. You just, you're like, hey, your show's great. We probably have the same audiences. Do you want to like promo swap? Like I'll talk about your podcast on my podcast and you do the same. And that's like the best way to grow an audience is just to do that. And it's not just indie podcasters who do that too. Like I've heard, I think Jordan Harbinger said that that is the way that he's grown his show the most. Like that's the number one most effective thing he's done. And I might be saying things that people already know, but like this has been a process for me to learn about. And starting out thinking that podcast marketing was all self-promotion and and all paying for ads and things and realizing that, oh no, it's just making friends. Like that, that has made it so much more appealing to me. It's interesting that you mentioned Jordan. He's had a kind of a historic podcasting journey, but he started out as kind of the original bro circle in the podcasting realm. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, just the, the uh, subject matter of his original show and everything, it was all about uh, how to make friends and influence people sort of thing. Yeah. So it was inherent in what he was doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your future plans in podcasting? You're going to keep on going with Taboo? I am. I, I plan to. And, you know, I hope to break out of the hobby podcaster thing someday and, and make a little bit of money off of it. I don't know. I read a good ad. So I think I'd like to read some ads. But, you know, that's not for a long time until I have the right well, audience. You know, something I've been discussing with a few people that are in the discussion stage of the inception of their podcast is they're trying to bake in those host read ads by reading fake funny ads <laughs> or fake relevant ads or whatever yeah. and just have those spots already there yep. that you get people used to the fact that there's going to be a break in your podcast you get uh, a sense to advertisers what they would get at that point because you have all sorts of analytics about it and you get to be a little bit more creative at those spots now it's going to take extra time but it does lend itself to moving ahead with actual advertisement yeah or and this is what i'm doing you don't have to do a fake ad you could do a podcast promo that is where that's where i'm doing them i'm putting a break in the middle of my podcast and i'm even using the dynamic ad insertion to add a podcast promotion. And that's, it's exactly what you're saying. It's like, I need to get used to having this spot in my podcast for ads and for little messages like that. And so that's exactly where I put the podcast promos that I'm, I'm sharing. I'm warming up to the dynamic ad insertion because if you do it right from your very first show, you can actually go back and put relevant ads in your first episodes, if your content is more evergreen and people go back and listen to the first few episodes, I would consider Taboo Science, for example, an yeah. evergreen podcast. For sure. So people could be listening to your first 10 episodes while you're producing the 100th and 50th episode or whatever. 
but they would be listening to the same ad inserted when they're downloading or they're streaming the show Mm -hmm. and it could make it relevant. Maybe you have an appearance coming up or a book signing coming up or something like that. And it doesn't matter what episode you can insert that and like promote yourself or promote somebody else that you want to promote. Or maybe it's a charity, like some, something happens in the world that you want to promote some GoFundMe or charity or something like that. I, to be very topical within that time period of two, three, four weeks or whatever. I'm warming up to that. Now with hobby podcasting, I'm almost adverse to advertisements like from the get go. Like, sure. I just, that's one of the things that I don't like about podcasting, but if it's done right, and if it's not done too much, like I listened to a five minute show that literally has more than five minutes of ads in it. I'm like, Mm -hmm. why, why I I will refuse to listen to that show where I can't hit the skip button. Like if I'm running and I can't hit the skip button, I won't listen to the show because I can't hit the skip button. Trailers that have ads in them. I hate that so much. I don't know if you've heard that, but sometimes they just leave the ads on and it's like your trailer is one minute and I just listened to a four minute thing. Yeah. But uh, I I get the appeal with dynamic Mm -hmm. ad insertion. I'm I'm starting to warm up to the possibilities, even for hobby podcasters that don't uh, uh, that don't advertise in a good sense. I thought you had already started monetizing taboo science, but you haven't. So uh, I wish you well when you do, because I believe that it's coming very soon. Appreciate it. I love that idea about putting in your own messages. And I think, I think everybody should do that. Another thing you could do with that is if you wanted to do an audience survey where you find out more about your, your audience and in episode one, you could be like, oh, you listen to episode one, go to this survey and, and tell me, tell me about yourself. I don't know. That's another thing to do. Okay. Well, thank you, Ashley, for joining me on this chat about podcasting. Where's the best place our better podcasting audience can find you? So I'm on Twitter a lot. I know that's probably bad at this point, but at Smashley Hamer, S-M-A-S-H-L-E-Y-H-A-M-E-R. And then Taboo Science is at taboosience.show or on anywhere you can find your podcasts. I want to footstop that it's Smashley Hamer because I often, when I'm just searching for you, put in Ashley Hamer. And mm. I'm like, why is she not showing up? Or that's not her account. <laughs> See that? It's Smashly. Smashly. That's the problem of the search. Like, that is my name. They should know that and find me. But yeah. <sighs> just talk to Elon. He'll get yeah. it done. Yeah, we'll talk to him. Well, thank you very much. It's been a joy. And I hope to talk to you again soon sometime. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. And thank you for spending your time with Ashley and myself for the past hour. If you like content like this, please subscribe to the Better Podcasting YouTube channel. Like the video, ring that bell so that you're notified of new videos. Or if you're listening to the audio version, give Better Podcasting Chats with SP a follow on your podcatcher app of choice. Stephen and I would greatly appreciate it. And if you want to go ahead and rate and review the show, we'd appreciate that too. Now, season three of Better Podcasting is well underway right now. We're more than halfway through, I believe, and we're discussing all about your hobby podcast audience. You can check all those shows out at betterpodcasting.com. In the meantime, join the podcasting conversation on our Discord server, betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. You can find Stephen and myself there every day, and more importantly, you can find the Better Podcasting audience there every day. If you have a question, A lot of times, Stephen and I aren't the primary people to answer that. It's everybody else. 
And if you are a geeky-related podcast, please consider becoming part of the Gunna Geek Network, and you can apply at gunnageek.com slash join. See everybody next time. Bye.